Last week, last week, last week. Last week, I'm just going to move a chair. I just feel like today's going to be a day I want to... Hello. Um, that today's going to be a day I want to walk around a little bit more than usual. Who knows? We'll see how we go. Uh, last week, we talked about what we see as a church. You know, what do we look like? Um, what does Father expect from us? What does he want from us, particularly coming out of uh, Easter? What does family look like? And uh, for those that were for here, for those that are watching it at home, we had an example because we had someone play Jesus and then we had three people play the Godhead, stand around them. And so, because the Bible tells us very clearly that we are in him and he is in us. So when we do life together, we're in the middle of the, the Godhead, the Trinity, and they stand around us. But as a family, the family then comes around that person. Yeah? It's almost like you've got this big circle. It almost looks like, you know, an, an atom. But when you get the family that stands around a person, that family person, that individual, also has the Trinity around them and the family around them, and it's all interconnected. I share that because it's really important that you and I learn how to do life together. It's woeful. It's terrible. It's, for me, it's not all that exciting when you hear of churches that split. Um, you know, you, you hear of rumblings inside the house. And I, I guess the larger the church, the more prevalent that can be. I just don't think that's God's plan. You know, we're supposed to love each other even if we disagree. Yeah? You wear Nike, I wear Adidas. You made a mistake, doesn't matter, I'll still love you anyway, whatever it might be, you know. We're supposed to love each other. So it's in that that you and I have to discover how, how do we fit in family? What, what, what has God got in store for us? Because if, if we can capture his picture for the church, for family, then we can, we can actually say, all right, God, I understand the bigger picture, but now me, me, when it comes to me, what is it that you see? What is it that you've got planned? What is it that you purpose, you know? What do you have in mind? And that's where I want to go today because I believe each and every one of us has something that is so special, something so individual, yeah? Um, something that, that God himself has put inside of us that is just for me, is just for you. That, that our, I guess, let's call it a uniqueness. Each and every one of us is unique. We're, we're different from each other, which is great. Because even when it comes to, I guess, you know, um, identical twins, there's still a difference there. And if you speak to parents of identical twins, they'll, they'll be able to spot the difference, even though if we can't, you know. There's always a difference. There's a uniqueness that makes you and I special. And so at the end of the day, there is only one you. There's only one you. And if God was prepared to make each and every one of us so unique, so individual, so special, then you and I have got to stop slapping ourselves whenever something doesn't go right or we're not happy with the way life goes. We have to stop putting ourselves down. We have to stop believing for everyone else, yet not believing for us. We've got to believe for ourselves too, yeah? Is that fair? So, Father, have your way in today's message, God. May you speak life and life abundant. Lord, may we come away from this place. Actually, yes, more and more in the image of your son, Jesus. But, Lord, ready to run the race with vigour and excitement, knowing, Lord, that you have a plan and a purpose for each and every one of us. And so we ask you, God, just to bless this day and this moment in Jesus' name. You know, it's the, it's the difference that you and I can make. It's, it's the difference that we can make in people's lives. Uh, again, you know, because I like to joke, you can take the boy out of the western suburbs, but you can't take the western suburbs out of the boy. You know, we, we don't go to friendship group and Bible studies for what we learn. That's good. That's great stuff because you can... 
But if our mindset was different, what is it that I have that somebody else needs? Yeah? What is it that I have that I can invest that will bless somebody else's life? That's actually going to encourage them to grow in their faith. You and I have got to live on that plane, you know, that, that planet, with, with that mindset. Because the enemy wants to tell us that you and I have nothing to offer. Ever thought that? Come on, let's see who's prepared to be honest, right? That you have no thing to offer. I can't do the stuff that they do. I can't speak as well as him. I can't play an instrument. I can't evangelize. I can't pray. No, you can. You just have to open your mouth. You know, like, I just, I, I've got nothing that's actually of worth that God can use. And the enemy wants us to live in that space. But that's so not true, yeah? It doesn't it say really clearly in Ephesians 2.10, for we are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do good works which God prepared in advance for us to do. So I love the fact that Papa tells us in his word that we're special, that we're specially designed, specially created to do a good work which he's actually prepared in advance before any of us were even born. He already knows that. So when you fit into a church family, wherever it might be, whatever denomination it might be, there's a work for you to do in that church family, in your own personal blood family, in your workplace, in your school. Yeah, there, there's a job that God has for us because he's created us uniquely. So think about it. This means that, that means he has something in mind for you to do. Something in mind for you to do. Something in mind for you to do. There's not a maybe there. There's not a question mark. He has something for you. Not just for the business person, not just for the tradesman, just not, not just for the preacher. Something for you. Whether you're a stay-at-home dad or mum, whether you're, uh, you're raising children, whether you're studying, whether you're in high school, whatever, whether, whether you're 75, 82 or 15, he has actually got something for you as an individual, something for you. So that means when he created you, he had that in mind, that very thing, he had that in mind. And as simple as that sounds, the reality is that some of us are going to actually struggle to receive any of the words that I'm speaking today. Because what, what, what's he got for me to do? I'm not special and the enemy is back there again, yeah? He's given us all a uniqueness, a unique talent, a unique gift. Maybe for some of us it's still being cultivated on the inside of us, but it's there and it's different for every one of us. It says in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 5 and 6, there are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of working. But in some of them, in all of them, in all of them, and in a couple of them, it is, no, in everyone. In all of them and in everyone, it's the same God at work. So that means he's got something, a different kind of service, a different kind of working in each and every one of us. Now, all of us. None of you are disqualified. Suffer in your, we would say in the western suburbs, jocks, but I can't say it at church, so I won't. Yeah? So that means he's got something for you to do. So you can't say that he doesn't because he does. The word tells us that. If you don't like it, please rip, rip the page out of the book. Yeah? 
But it's really clear for me that he's got something planned and purposed for each and every one of us. And it's different. It's actually different. It doesn't have to look the same. Yeah? It's different for each and every one of us. Different kinds of service. Different kinds of works, but the same God. You and I, we don't have the same gifts. Yeah? I, can't, I can't write a song like Lockie writes. I can't. I can't sing like Bree and Jenny. I can't. I keep telling the worship leaders, Sally and Ross, and I can, that I can, but they have profusely told me many times that I, that I can't. Over and over, said they'd take a recording and I should listen to it. Anyway, no, I'm joking. The point is that I can't do those things, yeah? I'd like to, but I can't. But that's okay. That's not, that's not my gift. But we all have something that God has specifically designed for us, for you. For you, yeah? Not just the person next to you, not your husband, not your wife. For you, not your mum, not your dad, not your children. Actually, for you. Absolutely for you. And you know what the, 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 the beauty is? It doesn't matter whether you've got money in the bank. It doesn't, mean if you, it doesn't matter if you're full-time employed, unemployed. God still has a specific design and purpose and work for you. For you. The issue is... We often don't know when he's going to call upon that skill, yeah, which is okay. We just have to live in the truth that we're going to worship him and his timing is the timing. It's not always in our timing, is it? You know, this uniqueness, we don't know when he's going to call on it. You know, and actually, I reckon if I was to ask, what do you think your uniqueness is? What do you think it is that is in you that God can use? I guarantee you that over 50% of you will say, I don't know. Like, I don't even have to think about it. I could probably throw 75% and I'd be close. Because it just seems like some of us have never been raised in a way to, I guess, to give us the confidence to believe that we can step into anything God has for us, even though the Bible tells us that. I legitimately thank God for my wife because she's forever telling, she told my daughters and she tells our boys that they can do anything, anything. And now one of the bedrooms alone has got like four guitars, like he, now he wants a keyboard, it's got two amps, he's getting singing lessons. I can't even sit, I can't find a place in the house without a guitar playing, a bass playing, someone singing music. Like I can't get quiet. Twofold. Because she told both of my kids that they could, do it, they could do anything. And you know what? I think they believed it. Like, like, check it out. Imagine if we could actually believe that we could do anything in the Lord. If we could actually believe it. You know, so many of us have had ups and downs in life, the ebbs and flows, and we wonder how any of our experiences, any of the things that we think is a talent, could actually be used for God. I'm a really good writer. I'm great at calligraphy. But what, how's God going to use that? You know, whatever it might be. Oh, I'm really good when it comes to blow-drying hair. How's God going to use that? Whatever it is. You know, so many of us just think, the stuff that I think I'm good at, what use is it? But this, this beautiful story that unfolds in Exodus. In Exodus 25, verses 8 and 9 reads, Then have them, yeah, so this is God speaking, Then have them make a sanctuary for me, and I will dwell among them. Make this tabernacle and its furnishings exactly like the pattern I will show you. So here's, the, here's our God giving a plan 
I want to come and dwell. I want to come and live. I want to come and be amongst the people. But I'm going to do it in a way. I'm going to make a tabernacle and, and it's going to have these furnishings in it and you have to do it exactly like I want. Right? So let's go with that for a moment. Exodus 35, verses 30 to 35 reads, Then Moses said to the Israelites, See, the Lord has chosen these names, really. I should have Stephen up here pronouncing these names. Bezalel, son of Uri, the son of Hur, the tribe of Judah, and he's filled him with the Spirit of God, with wisdom, with understanding, with knowledge, and with all kinds of skills. Yeah? To make artistic designs for working gold and silver and bronze, to, to cut and set stones, to work in wood, to engage in all kinds of artistic crafts. And he's given both him and Aholiab. What's wrong with Andrew, John, and Jack? Yeah? Anyway. We'll ask him when we get to heaven. The son of Ahissamach, of the tribe of Dan, the ability to teach others. But verse 35, he has filled them with the skill to do all kinds of work as engravers, designers, embroiders, in blue, purple, and scarlet yarn, and fine linen and weavers, all of them skilled workers and designers. I, I love this because this is describing two unlikely heroes, two unlikely people that God's choosing. Yeah, He's filled them with all the skill to do all kinds of work as engravers, designers, embroiders, in blue, purple, scarlet yarn, fine linen. Why, why are these two guys unlikely? Why are they even you know, unusual heroes at this time? If you read through Exodus, it's really simple because at this point in time, for a few months, more than a million Israelites had been travellers, then being wanderers, yet no home. They're on their way somewhere and they've been fleeing from armies, fleeing from death. Could you imagine that? Fleeing from death, fleeing from armies. They've been scrambling even just to find enough food and water to survive. This is what's happening when these, these passages are being written. This is where they're living. And one thing I reckon, this is my personal bent, right? I know this, I think for sure, is that Moses and Aaron weren't thinking this. You know what? Things are getting so tough, right? They're getting so tough. And, and, and I, I don't know if we're going to get through this. I, I don't know if we're going to survive. I, I don't know how many of pe our people are going to die on the journey. You know, what, you know what would help us? You know what would make things easier? If we had a couple of embroiders that could work with fine linen, that will help us. Like I can tell you, they weren't looking for the local seamstress at the time. You know, They were hoping for Jack and the beanstalk so they could put magical beans into the ground to get food. They were hoping for John Wick, John Rambo. They were hoping for, for Arnold Schwarzenegger to come to their defence because they had armies chasing them. Right? So on face value, these two guys are not important. They're nobody. Like they really are. They're, they're, they're nothing. They're not royalty. They weren't relevant in light of what they were experiencing. And so often when we look at the community around us and what's happening politically, what's happening just in the world in general, we think our skills in light of what's happening, I've got nothing to offer. <laughs> Not in the face of the nation's dilemma. 
not in the face of our state, not in the face of COVID, whatever it might be, we've got nothing to offer. You know, if I was one of the leaders of Israel, I would have been thinking, man, give me some warriors, give me some skilled hunters, give me something that will help our people. Not stone carvers, not, not embroiders, not purple linen, fine seamstresses. I don't even know the proper plural for a man. Seamstress is more feminine, isn't it? Or is it for both? I don't know. Anyway, it doesn't matter. Just one of those things that I ponder. Taylor, that, that's the word. He wasn't looking for tailors, was he? I don't think so. Yet God's plan was to bless his people with his presence in their trouble, in their dilemma, in their starvation, in their running from the army, his plan was to bless his people with his presence. His plan was to offer a way for them to seek some sort of redemption. His plan was to do it through a specially decorative design tabernacle with special cloth material over it. <laughs> that was his plan. I've got to tell you, Sometimes God's plan looks stupid. They just do. If we're to be real, I've got an army chasing me. Okay, go towards that river that you can't cross. God, that's stupid. We're going to die there because if we don't drown, they're going to kill us and shoot us from behind. Seriously, come on. We're often, so often, if you and I are to be totally real, when we're going through stuff, we can't see God's answer because his answer comes at the 11th hour. So we're always scrummaging, looking to see what our way out is, but often what we think is our way out is not God's way out. You know, then overnight, suddenly, these two guys, just these two guys, these tailors, yeah, out of the blue, when it was least expected. In fact, they weren't even ready. You know, they didn't do four years of Bible college and go, I'm ready now to pastor a church. You know, they weren't expecting this. They weren't ready at all. And, and here comes Bezalel and Ahiliab, and they become two of the most important people in Israel. Because God wanted a tabernacle built. God wanted to spend time with his people. And God wanted, very, wanted it built very specifically. And what God needed before he could turn up, what the nation needed before he could turn up, and then overnight, suddenly, their years of training and work, yeah, was just what was needed. All they were doing was working, providing for their family. Yeah. All they were doing was their nine to five, working in their, I guess, their trade. And then all of a sudden they found themselves leading workers, managing resources that had been donated. So I want to say this, if God can use these two men, these tailors, then he can use us. If God can use two tailors, when what he needed, really, let's tell God what he needed. We needed farmers and we needed hunters and we needed warriors. But if he can turn up, bring his presence to bring victory through two tailors, then he can use you. Is that fair? Like, seriously, if this is not the most ridiculous story in the Bible, I could probably find about five others that are more ridiculous, right? Like, seriously, he comes to their aid with two tailors. But we've got nothing to offer, haven't we? I wonder, I wonder how many of the Israelites were disturbed when God called through Moses 
for two stone carvers. Listen, I hear what you're saying, Moses. I hear what you want to build for God, but there's some people and they're, they're not happy with us. And, and, and the more we stay here and do this, they're getting closer and eventually some of those tribes, they're going to be on us and we're going to die. You sure you... I don't think you heard from God properly. I think he disturbed people. Catherine Booth once said this, if we are to better the future, yeah, we are to disturb the present. If we are to better the future, we are to disturb the present. So in the midst of all this, when they want warriors, when they want hunters, Father God disturbs the present, their present, by saying, actually, I don't want what you want. What I want is two tailors. Come on, God, don't muck around. You, you're actually you're irritating me at the moment, God. Things aren't going the way that they should. And, you know, like every day we're struggling to eat and you want two tailors. Like now I'm disturbed. Now I'm frustrated. Now I'm irritated. Sometimes God needs to irritate us in what we think is the right thing. He needs to disturb us in our place of present so that he can do something for the future that's going to leave a legacy for our kids and our kids' kids, yeah? He disturbs the present by calling some unknowns to build what he needs to bring his presence. And he begins to build a future for the nation with the people and, and, and in a way that they never imagined. They never imagined it would be like this. So here's a thought. Maybe, just maybe, and now... Trust me, the voice that you're about to hear after I say this, maybe, just maybe, the next great move of God in Ballarat is waiting on something that you've got. Not me, not the pastors of Ballarat. Something that's inside you that God's going to ask you to bring forward one day. Just maybe. Maybe just the next great move of God will happen through my son's gaming. Maybe it'll happen through Claudia's you know, shalom, stretch, worship God classes. Maybe it'll even happen at pathology where someone takes your blood. Maybe, just maybe, the next move of God will be a skill that you have. Well, that's disturbing to some people. God can't use me. I don't have anything that's great. All I do is interpretive dance. Well, I might not like your interpretive dance, but it doesn't mean that God doesn't. He might love it. And he might just need it. Because maybe there's something in you that's going to ignite something in somebody else that's going to go on and change the world for what God has in store. He may need the gift inside of you. Not now, maybe, is what you're saying. Maybe some of you actually at times and say, but I've got young kids, or I'm a grandparent, I'm just, I'm just getting into that, oh, we just started to build a house, we just started to renovate, we've got this new pergola outside and it's costing us a fortune, just let me pay that off first before I do anything. Oh, I've just put a deposit on my new car. After that, then I'm, I'm ready. God, when he needs you, will disturb your present so that he can make a change for the future. Yeah? You know, when you look at your life, when, you, when, when we look at our lives, when we look at the experiences that we've been, been through, our training, our schooling, our talents, all of that, what, what do you see? 
But what do you see for yourself? What do you see? Do you actually believe that God can use you, that he can call out to you, that he can actually raise a nation through you? Because the Bible tells us that we're sons and daughters of the living God. The Bible itself says that, yeah, that we will do even greater things than what Jesus did. Do you believe that? Well, I can't walk on water. God might not want me to walk on water. But he says I'll do greater things. Do you see the uniqueness that's you? Do you actually see it? I just want to encourage some, some people today. Maybe it's for someone at home. I know recently of a person that heard from God, stepped out in that, and it didn't pan out the way that they thought. But you know what? They heard from God. The outcome doesn't always determine whether it's right or wrong. Your obedience does. And sometimes we just have to hear God, go with him and do what he says. Father has placed something unique in you. You are unique. He's made you. You know, what he's placed in you, he's placed in no one else. And in fact, the life that you and I have lived has moulded us and made us into the people that we are today. You wouldn't be who you are if it wasn't for the years before today. I wouldn't be who I am if it wasn't for the years before today, both good and bad. And if your life was all good, you'd probably not be a very nice person today. And if your life was all bad, maybe you'd have more understanding, compassion and empathy and sympathy than anybody else in the room. Maybe if you've got a balance of both, you're actually really well balanced. Who knows? The life that those two men had lived prepared them for what Father God needed. Like it just prepared them, had them in the perfect place at the perfect time. And when God created us, he created us with a purpose in mind. When you know, when he created us, he has a plan in mind. A plan. A plan specifically for you. Specifically for you. Individual you. And sometimes that plan feels like it's never coming to pass and sometimes it, you feel as though you don't even know what it is. It's there. It's coming. Just trust God. Better to live on the optimistic side of God than live on the pessimistic side of the enemy. Fair? You know, he's got a purpose for us. I need to encourage someone today that Father God is going to call and he's going to need you, what you've got. Your teaching skills, your people skills that you've learnt while you're Uber driving. I don't know what it is. Samuel's chip-closing skills at Grilled, where he's come back with a couple of burn marks. I don't know how that's going to work. Maybe God's going to call on that. Maybe he's going to have to feed the next 5,000. Don't know how that's going to work. But he's going to call on a skill that you have. You know, your talent, your gift, your uniqueness. I love in 1 Peter 4.10 it says, Each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. Whatever gift, whatever gift, whatever gift you have received, it doesn't say just the special gifts. It doesn't say just the microphone holding, preacher speaking, gospel singing, guitar playing skills. It says whatever gifts. Use it to serve and bless others. 
You know, didn't God use Esther at a time when she didn't even know she had the courage to step up and speak? And, and, and didn't he use a small boy with loaves and fishes? He had something in his hand. No one else even had the courage to open their mouths when he, when he looked around, you know, and the question was asked, how are we going to feed these people? But this boy comes up with these loaves and fishes and goes, hey, I, I, I've got these... You know, the centurion, before and, and because of his training, he knew that Jesus could say and do anything and people would follow because his work had taught him that. His work had taught him that. His work had trained him. So maybe you, you have more strength within you than you realise. Just maybe. You know, I don't know. I don't know the voices that you have in your head when you're alone at home when your husband finally is silent. I don't know what voices you have in your head when you're at home and finally your kids go to sleep because you've slipped them some Finergan. I, I don't know. I, 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 okay, we don't, we don't do that. We use melatonin, okay? So I don't know what voices are in your head when you're driving alone because that's what you do for work. I, I don't know. I know the voices that are in my head. I know what I have to compete with. But you and I have to be able to, to turn around and say, you know what, in him I can do all things because he's the one who strengthens me. Yeah? Maybe you've got more faith than those around you. You know, maybe all the years of learning and training and schooling and, and work, maybe they've positioned you for such a time as this when God calls. Yeah? You know, it's it's hard, though, when the gifts we have don't look like they fit into the season. It's hard when the gifts and talents we believe we have, you know, we don't actually realise that they're gifts and talents. It's hard when we've got something that God's placed within us, but everyone around us talks it down like it's not important. Yeah? You and I, we're the actual special that Papa needs. You know, I heard a message years ago. I don't remember it. All I remember was, um, and it might have been a, a preacher that does a lot of work um, in, in, the, with, with, uh, in, in amongst Muslims. And Leif Hetland, I'm sure, talks about that Father God places within us this uniqueness, but he calls it the special source. You know, God needs your special source. And he's got this awesome, I don't know if it's Swedish, I don't know what, what nationality is, but it's this awesome accent. It makes special sauce sound special. Like, it's so good. But God wants your special sauce. He wants your uniqueness that only you can put to the burger, so to speak, that, you know, for a really bad analogy, that he's building for the work that he has for you. You know, what often feels like it seems like nothing to us is actually something for him. And the smaller something is for us, the bigger it is for him. You know, all I've got is this. He needs stone carvers. He needs tailors that can work with purple, fine linen. He needs embroiders. The reality is God is in it all for each and every one of us. You know, I love this as a thought. We know the story of Moses and, you know, we all know the story of the burning bush and, and I guess the way that Moses then starts making excuses when God speaks to him. Again, in, in Exodus. But Moses has four excuses and God gives him four answers. Yeah? 
And first Moses actually asked, when God calls him, he says this, who am I? Who am I? I'm no one. And God's answer to him was, it doesn't matter, Moses, who you are. It actually doesn't matter. What is important is who I am and that I'll be with you. Yeah, right? All of us need to grab that one. doesn't matter who you are. doesn't matter how rough around the edges you might be. doesn't matter how polished you might be. doesn't matter how hurt you might be. What matters is who I am and I'll be with you. And then Moses says, I won't know what to say. Look, I won't know what to say said no wife ever. Then he says, I won't know what to say. God's answer was, I will tell you. I'll tell you. You won't know what to say, I'll tell you. Ever been in a prayer meeting or been praying and all of a sudden you have a thought to pray for something? Holy Spirit, it's God telling you, hey, why don't you pray for this? Your prayers are good, but I just thought I'd remind you about this. Why don't you pray for this? Then he's third, he's still arguing. And then Moses goes, they won't listen to me. That's how I feel in my house. I'll speak to the kids. But anyway, that's, so maybe some parent can counsel me later. God's answer was, I'll work through you in power. Don't worry that you think they won't listen to you. I'm going to work through you in power. And they'll see and they'll believe. And then finally he says, oh, you know what? I can't even speak well. You know, I can't do it. What he was saying is, I don't have the skills. God goes, I want you to go and speak. His last one was, I don't speak well. He's saying, I don't have the skills for what you're calling me to. I don't have it. And God's answer was, don't worry, I'll speak through you. It's all good. I'll take it. I'll speak through you. See, sometimes I think we can have similar thoughts, make the same excuses, often actually, in fact, as Moses, as to why we can't do something. You know, we all have, we all have doubts. You know, for anyone who's ever started a business, you have doubts. Anyone who's ever had to write an essay for a year 12 exam, you have doubts on that first word, on that first paragraph, before you even start. We all have doubts. You know, what I have is nothing, God. I, I, I can't do this. But Father has the same answers for us all the time that he gave to Moses. He really does. He's faithful. So when it comes to your life, to my life, what do we see? Like what, do we, what do we truly see? Today, 2023, what, what do we see? You know, when, when God first calls Moses, he's a doubter. The beginning, beginning of his ministry, he was nervous, flat out nervous. But when God does something extraordinary, he does it supernaturally and he gives Moses courage and he, he asks him a question and he does the supernatural and this question is really important for all of us. It's like it's so important. Exodus 4, chapter, um, verses 2 to 4. Then the Lord said to him, What is it in your hand? A staff, he replied. The Lord said, Throw it on the ground. Moses threw it on the ground. It became a snake and he ran from it. He ran from it. It's his flipping stick. And he ran from it. Then the Lord said to him, Reach out your hand and take it by the tail. This is where it should read. And Moses said, Oh, hell no. But if he ran from it, and then God's saying, pick it up, oh, hell no, no way. I'm not doing that. That's what he should have said. So Moses reached out, took hold of the snake, and he turned back, and it turned back into a staff in his hand. So when God asked Moses what he had, 
Moses answered, a rod, it's a shepherd's staff, it's a stick, it helps me to walk, it, it helps, helps with my footing as I, as I walk up hills and then on, on mountainsides. It was like he was saying, I've got nothing but this stick and this stick's only a crutch to help me walk in places that are difficult. Yeah, It's just a stick, God. It just makes walking easier. Really, I've got nothing. All I can do is I can sew some purple linen together. Oh, my dad taught me how to get a chisel and carve out some stones. I can do some basic letters, but I, really I've got nothing. Man, when, when we have nothing, what's insignificant to us is super for God. God and Moses, right, get this. This is the stick. I, I won't go through all, of, all the verses, but he uses that stick. Yeah? to confront the Pharaoh in court. He turns water of the waters of Egypt into blood. He brings frogs into the land, all with this stick. He causes lice throughout the land of Egypt. Lice. I've had lice at home. Anyone who's ever had kids has had lice at home. What a flippin' nightmare. Imagine lice through the entire nation. Like, you can't send your kids anywhere, wherever they go. They're going to get them, which means you'll probably get them. Like, oh, no, man. Chemists are rat because of all the shampoo they're about to sell. But with that stick, there's lice through the land. He brings thunder and hail throughout the land. He brings an east wind and, and that brought the locusts across the land, all with this stick. This stick, this is nothing. All I've got is a stick. Yeah? He causes the waters of the Red Sea to stand up like a wall, doesn't he? With this stick, the bottom of the sea dries up. With this stick, the waters of the Red Sea actually come back to envelop Pharaoh's armies. All with this nothing. I've got nothing but this stick in my hand. With this stick, he brought victory to Israel with this stick. So here's the point. The young boy had the loaves and fishes. Yeah, That's all he had. Definitely not enough to feed 5,000. But you and I, the rod was and is nothing special by itself. It's just a rod. It's just a stick. There's sticks everywhere. I park my car under the trees here in the church in the hope a big stick will fall on it. <laughs> it has to be natural for insurance. Anyway, um, you know... But it's just a stick, a piece of timber that most people, a lot of people here, cut up, take home, throw it in their fire for heat. It's just wood. It's just a stick. But what makes it special, what makes it significant, what makes it unique was that it was Moses' stick. It was his. So what's yours? What's in your hand? What's inside of you? So when God comes and says, I want to use that inside of you, I know, you've, I know that you've got experience farming Goats. Yeah, yeah, I know. That's, that's what I do. I want to use that. How are you going to use it? No, no. Don't worry about how I'm going to use it. I'm going to use it. Whatever it might be, whatever that thing is in your hand, what do you have? When it comes to your life, what's unique in your life? God didn't ask Moses what he didn't have. Like he never asks what he didn't have. Ryan, I'm putting you on the spot. What did you share this morning? Uh, when I asked about when we were praying. Yeah, when God shines a light, it's not illuminating the sin, it's not illuminating forgiveness. It's illuminating forgiveness. When God comes calling and shining the light on your life, he's not asking what you do have, he's showing you what you've got. Yeah. 
so that you can use it, yeah? You know, we might think we don't have enough money, we don't have an education, we don't have the right skills, the list can go on, but Papa never points to what we don't have. Yeah? The availability, just to say yes, is the key. The tailors just had to say yes, why don't we stand, please? We're, I'm out of time. You know, the stone carvers, the purple linen embroiders, they just made themselves available when Father called. They knew within themselves that God needed a hunter. They knew within themselves that God needed warriors. They knew that what they had wasn't going to help for the situation that the nation was in. But God came calling and so they said, okay, here I am. Send me. This is what I can do. And God's presence shows up because the difference, the difference is the power of God moving and working through us. It's not our ability, it's not our knowledge, it's not our talent, it's not even the size of our gift. All that matters is how much of God is in your stick. How much of God is in your rod? How much of God are you going to allow to move through the gifts and talents that he's placed in you? Whatever they are. You know, when it comes to our life, what do we see? I, I always wonder if the miracle that someone's waiting for is in me. Is the difference between them coming to faith, just me speaking to them, is it something that's inside of me? You know, we need to ask God to get in our stick, to get in our songwriting, yeah? to get in our work with young people that need support, to get in our farming, to get in our teaching, to get into whatever it is. We need to ask God to get into our stuff, into our stick. You know, one of the biggest problems we have as believers is we often underestimate what we have. God knows what you've got. He knows what you've got. So I've got a question. Who's ready? Who's, who wants to make themselves available and say, hey, I've God, I'm working on my stick. I think I know what my stick is. Not sure what my stick is, but if you could show me, but hey, whatever my stick is, God, whatever you've placed within me, whatever makes me different, how inadequate I may feel and the enemy tries to make me feel, I'm here for you. Who's ready for that? Like, come on. Like, that's, this is, that's where revival starts. Do you, know the only, do you know, isn't it surprising that revival always happens in third world countries? Third world, developing nations, if you prefer the terminology. Not in this first world we've got everything, but in developing nations where they're prepared to say, hey, I don't have a lot, but what I have, my stick, I'll give it to you. And God goes nuts. How about God goes nuts in Mount Clear? What about he starts it in Family Life Church? What about he starts it in our community here? What about it starts to spread through Ballarat instead of people telling us, don't push your faith and religion on me? How about they start saying, I want a little bit of your stick? Yeah? That's what I reckon. That's the way I reckon we should live. Yeah, give God a clap, why not? So let's just pray. And... If you're that way inclined, raise your hands to heaven because I believe that each and every one of us in this place has legitimately and truly been created, forged and formed for a time such as this. Yeah, Father, I thank you. 
Lord, that, Lord, we are all unique. God, we are all different. And Lord, within all our hands, you've placed a stick, you've placed a talent, you've placed a gift within us, God. Some of us, Lord, it's still being worked on, it's still being cultivated, we're still training, but Lord, God, all we say is, Father, what we have, Lord, Lord, the ability to be a tailor, to stitch some fine um, linen together, Lord, that brought your presence. God, if it takes that, Lord, then let it be. Father, whatever it is, we just say we're ready and we're available to be used by you to see your presence come, to see not only will it come, but, Father, we know that it will defeat the enemies in our lives and the lives of all those that are around us. God, we are your people that trust in you. Father, we know that we, Lord, have a personal intimate relationship with you and with each other, but help us to walk in that with such confidence, Lord, that people will see you, Lord, not just around our life but in our life, moving through it, Lord, for them. So do a work in us all. Give us the courage that we need. Lord, change our mindsets where things need to be twisted and changed. But may we be a people, Father, that offer our stick to you in Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. Amen.